Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday already a know. podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys, and welcome to the What Hip Hop Questions, Legends, and List. I'm Nyla Simone. And I am the man that puts the jux in juxtaposition. Marshall Jones. Why are you? I just wanted to put you out there. I I hate when you do that. You want to do it? No, it's not. Okay, good, because I wasn't going to do it either. (laughs) Why do you want to start like this? Because you're sitting in this zen-ass position. It's pissing me off. Uh, I was just telling our guests how I stay mellow. Zen. Before I got here, I did what needed to be done. Anyway... Um, I drink tea because it'd just be a lot of madness, especially when I got to deal with an energy like Mouse Jones. All right, now, see, now, <laughs> see, now you're starting with me. No, no, no. Let's get into it because we were having a great convo before we turned these mics on. So we have a very special guest in the building. Mouse, you want to do 
Oh it hell goes, yeah! yeah you talk, listen, this is the whole reason I got into doing any of this shit. All right, talking on microphones, talking to people you admire, whose work you truly admire. Uh, so I would think that these are you know colleagues of ours and friends of ours, and, real journalists, and real journalists, you know, because it is a dying <laughs> thing. <laughs> Real journalism. It's a real thing with real people who do it. Yeah. We have with us today one of my favorite podcasts, if not my favorite, Louder Than a Riot, Sydney yeah. Madden and Rodney The Voice. Welcome. Carmichael. Yes. Oh, come on, man. We See, look at that. Man. So Thank cool. You <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. We appreciate y'all coming, man. How, how is how is going from season one where, you know, everybody was inside and it was the pandemic to now season two and everybody's outside and there's and everybody's paying attention and seeing what's going on. What's what's that been like? Yeah. Different. It's been real different. So yeah, as you said, and we talked to you about season one. Mm-hmm. Um, on God's next door. Back in 2020, which yeah. feels like 10 years ago. Yeah. Season one was all about the relationship between hip hop and mass incarceration because writ large, louder than a riot, is about rhyme and punishment. Yes. It's about hip hop as a genre, as a culture, as a cultural force, speaking back or sometimes perpetuating things in society. And so season one, um, I feel like we we made some noise. We did, but people were inside, like mm-hmm. you said. So yeah. for season two, which we wanted to fully expand the idea of what rhyme and punishment could mean, we're kind of looking inward at the culture and what the culture perpetuates specifically around misogynistic and homophobic double standards. And with us coming up on 50 years of hip hop and the girls and the gays running things, running things, it's been really, really great. And I feel like rewarding to see the reactions in real time and get to physically talk to y'all about it. I'm all giddy. I'll be listening to these niggas. Man, yeah, you talking about? I be listening to these. Um, there, there's a juxtaposition between you two, right? Like, there's a contrast. Like, you know, a, a younger woman yeah. of color and a, 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 a more seasoned. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I was about to say old. Oh, I seen the way your eyes looked at me, but a more seasoned <laughs> black Kinda man. Kind of like y'all, right? <laughs> no, no, not at all. We're, we're close in age, actually. That was great. That was great. It's funny. Oh, come on. You see that? That's, that's what be going on. You let people come in here and break us apart. That's the problem right now. No, you said bro. Big bro. I'm You're Jesus big Christ. Bro, though. Oh, see what God. I did right there? You see what I did there? Oh. <laughs> guys at home, you gotta, you gotta listen. You gotta, y'all gotta listen. listen to episode four for that one. <laughs> that'll come back. You'll understand that one next week, y'all. He's not misogynistic. <laughs> He's realistic, yeah. according to him. Yeah, that was crazy. Mm, yeah. that, but but I, I do want to talk about that. That that I think much like me and Nyla, where we maybe close in age, but represent different parts of, uh, or different eras in, in genre and in hip hop. I think the same thing happened with you guys, but you guys with this journalistic take, has it been any, not even has it been, what's been that functionality, figuring it out, you know, are we leaning a little too young? Are we leaning a little too heavy? You know, because the topic, the topics that you're speaking about aren't just, you know, running the mill, you know, uh, 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 Internet diatribe, like it's yeah. real. You, you're, you guys are unpacking real shit. So I just always think about like, are you? Do you guys have to be uh, cognizant of are, are we leaning too young? Are we leaning too old? I mean, we just embrace it, man. You know, I mean that that was the appeal from the beginning. You know, me and Sid coming together and 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 having these dialogues that we would have in the office mm-hmm. after hours, mm-hmm. and um, you know, 
shit, hip hop is 50. You like that that includes all generations. That's yeah. your kids, that's your your mom and them, that's your 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 cousins and and all of that. So for us um even when we were really kind of like positioning the podcast at NPR, we knew that that was that was one of the benefits. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, we going to touch all audiences in terms of in terms of hip hop and and in terms of who cares about the culture. And at that particular time, especially when we were starting season 1, I feel like you don't hear quite as much now, but there was a lot of talk about the generation gap. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to take us back too far, but you know, with the kids and the mumble rap and yeah. all this yeah. kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? And so um I think that was a strength. I think, you know, we got the we got the gender gap bridge, we got the 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 uh, generation gap bridge. We got the we got the regional gap bridge, yeah. you know, cuz Sid is, you know, from East Coast, North and I'm from the South. So, um between all of that, you know, it really gives us some range, I think, yeah. you know. So, let's take it back for the viewers who aren't familiar with you guys. What is Louder Than a Riot and how did you guys get started? You want to start it? No, you go ahead. So, for anyone who doesn't know and has never heard of Louder Than a Riot, Louder Than a Riot is a podcast, but overall a a project that looks at rhyme and punishment in America. So, again, we started, really started tinkering with this idea when when we both started at NPR back in 2017, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2017, because we knew that Hip-hop deserved it. Hip-hop deserves narrative stories, investigative Mm -hmm. work, um, really nuanced and conscientious type of profiling. And that has really been few and far between in the audio space. Um, There's definitely been that before. Like, Mogul was a huge beacon for us. Refuge Combat. Definitely. Yup. And we wanted to tell stories not about hip-hop in a way that didn't come at the genre, come at the culture in like an anthropological sense, in like a diluted sense. And it it wasn't like a straight profile of a rapper. It was really grappling with the the odds and ends and the decisions that go into leading to some of these consequences. So for season one, which we started piloting and got a green light for all the way back in 2018, that was about the connection between hip hop and mass incarceration. And if y'all remember in 2017, Meek Mill's whole, mm-hmm. um, um, why am I losing it? The the parole, the probation yeah. and perpetuity, that was something that became a lightning rod in hip hop. Like yep. a lot of people really campaigned around him, gathered around him. But what we were thinking about was what's missing in the conversation. And it's that the carceral state in hip hop has always been at odds. Yeah. And it's very rarely dissected and, and talked about how it ebbs and flows and how one influences the other and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So for season one, we dug really deep into stories of lyrics on trial, stories of the the power of the prosecutor in the carceral state, stories of women's populations, which is actually at the time one of the most fastest growing populations in the carceral state in America. Uh, So that was season one. Season two, we wanted to really stretch what rhyme and punishment could mean Mm -hmm. because 
And this is a nod to our latest episode that came out. Accountability is a part of love. And if you Mm -hmm. love this genre, you got to know when to hold it accountable, how to hold it accountable in a way that's not um, completely uh, destructive. Mm -hmm. That's in the way that's not like I got to opt out of hip hop because we love it. We want to continue to tell these stories, but we want we want better for these stories and better for these people making this art as well. And so season two is really honing in on Massage Noir, which is the specific racist sexist um inequality that falls on the shoulder of black folders of black women in hip-hop but also in society i know you already know what i'm talking about you guys should have never taught me that word by the way i was like wow mm. i'm about to use the <laughs> hell out of but this. you'll be able to point it out everywhere now i mean yeah. you might have felt it I yeah did, but now you'll so when i'm like there's a word a for this yeah because yeah, i just girl. call everything oh that's just misogynistic yeah uh, but yeah, yeah. it's another layer damn podcast for th- Never mind. Give them the credit. That's fine. Yes. No, misogyny. Misogyny. I've been saying it on this damn show. Thank y'all for teaching all of that. Thank y'all. Yeah. I'm glad you know it, though. And I'm glad you're sharing I mean, it, it, in the space that I exist in, it, you have to, right? Like, And, and that was one of the, the, the questions I wanted to ask y'all later on. But since we're here, like, hmm. one, let me ask y'all, when it came to, you know, deciding what you guys were going to talk about or cover season two, what? What led y'all to land on this specific one? And what was that conversation like before you even brought it to anyone to get a greenlit, just between you two? Like, what was that? What, what was that thought process like? Should you know, we go here? Should we go here? Should we go here? Oh, this is where we're going? How do we go about it? Yeah. I mean, we knew, first of all, we knew it was going to be hard. We didn't want, we did not want to talk about mass incarceration in season two. We knew that because we don't want to replicate stories of, criminality like you don't want to perpetuate the thing you're trying to call out right right? that's the all that's all there is to talk about in hip-hop yeah yeah and then i mean you see it all all the time sometimes when hip-hop stories get to big networks they become nullified they become diluted to just talk about like criminality so anyway we didn't want we knew we didn't want to do that and then the same way everyone in hip-hop had their eyes and ears on the meat mill probation case in 2017 everybody had their eyes and ears on what happened between Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez in the summer of 2020. Mm. So as we were drop, as we were getting ready to drop season one, we were already percolating on season two. We're like, yo, this is the next, this is the next culture shift. This is the next wave that feels like it's just social media fodder and debate right now, but it's speaking to something deeper and more insidious. And once we were on the same page about that, because it didn't really take long to get on the same page about it. Like no. we we just had to figure out how to get to it, how to tell it. Yeah. I, I remember we went on break. I guess that was the end of the year holiday break. Yeah. And I think we were both thinking about it because the first time we met and talked about it in January of what, 2021 we just honed right in on it and then it was just about like you know and then over the course of the next you know year or two is is determining what this looks like in terms of whose stories we're telling and and how expansive this topic is Mm -hmm. you know because it could be real easy to just tell the meg story you know or the meg and tory story um but i think we wanted to show that what was happening to Meg was not unique. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and show how much it, it resonates throughout the culture and how much it kind of hip hop is 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 kind of, you know, it's an it's underpinned throughout hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so we wanted to tell stories that went back historically and 
contemporary stories and and um, you know talk to artists, but also talk to people that cover the culture, um, just to show how kind of like you know pervasive it is. Yeah, yeah. In in this, you know, in covering this, you know, this entire season, even the episodes that haven't been dropped yet, um, I guess it could be a question for both of you, but I'm kind of zeroing on you. Has there been any time or has this been like a big mirror uh, for you, like having to look at misogynoir, how it plays a part in your life, if at all? Yeah. Right. Like how it's been how you've, you know, might have, you know, been been an actor in it before in your life exactly. or not now. Or has it been a piece of you undoing and unlearning? Because it's like that with me. So that's why like when when what led into this question was when she was like, oh, you know, the word. Yeah, being on a grapevine for all them years did not go like I had to be accountable for what I said. Yeah. And I had and, you know, having this, for lack of a better term, this awakening. Right. And I have understanding that, OK, well, I'm going to position myself. I hate the word ally, but I'm going to position myself as someone mm-hmm. who lets, you know, the black LGBT mm-hmm. plus community know, hey, I got you. Exactly. Let black women know, hey, I got you. Right. Um, And really have to to do that. You really have to learn and unlearn and that gets uncomfortable for men specifically black men because we might say you know we hear it all the time like yo we we all want women to win we all want females mm-hmm. to win up until a point up, up until, until a point <laughs> and we have to and get into that level so that's so has this been that for you definitely man i mean you know like you said um i mean i don't think you could come out of you know the era that i come out of and 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 say otherwise you know if you grew up you know, in my era, you know, consuming the culture, being part of the culture that we were a part of in that era, um, it's 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 touched you, it's tainted you in in a certain kind of way. It shaped your mindset, it's it shaped your 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 worldview, your lens, and um, so you know, not on you know before we got into the making of the season, you know, obviously we kind of foresaw that coming. I think for me, it really started to to be real when we got a team together. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We got a team, we got a whole new team than we had in season one. Um, and we got a hell of a team. Right, right. You know, we got a hell of a team. Uh, in terms of, you know, our editors, Rhea Shockley, our producers, Sam and Mono, um, our, our lead producer, Gabby. Mm-hmm. Was Gabby the one that opened the episode with you, uh, the Kim episode? No, Sam. 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 Oh, Sam. Sam was okay. the one who, yeah. um, Sam was my producer and co-reporter on the episode, the most recent episode, mm-hmm. which is the episode about sexual harassment in hip hop media. And it's, and it's uh, revisiting the uh, case of Kim Osario versus The Source. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, and also you hear our team a lot more this exactly. season too. Like the first episode we reported live from the, from the trial of Tory Lanez for mm-hmm. the assault of Megan Thee Stallion. And we had to break. We just, as a matter of being able to sprint and take on reporting the whole trial, we had to break it up. And so you hear Gabby, who's our senior producer, you hear her in the first episode. Yep. Um, you hear a lot of our producers. Which I love, by the yeah, way. Everybody at some yeah. point. Yeah. I love I love breaking that. I call it the fifth wall. Like, I love when exactly. you get to hear. It's, it's bigger than us, right? So I love, yeah. like, that's one thing I love about doing this show is D-Block does not mind hopping on the microphone. So I'm like, nigga, what? how many checks are you getting from this show? <laughs> if you cut yourself a talent check, I want in. But I, I love that yeah. because I love the art of podcasting. And I love the world that, you know, we've all been a part of building. So mm-hmm. 
let's hear, you know, just saying where I would love, I love seeing a documentary and I love seeing, I love seeing the camera. I love seeing them filming, somebody yeah. filming yeah, 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 something. Yeah. So that, so I, I love that y'all do. And I love, any, I love people that are taking that extra step when it comes to podcasting. Yeah. Um, let's get a uh, controversial. Uh-oh. Okay. Let's talk about journalism. Okay. All right. I, I, That's controversial. Where I'm going is. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, specifically around the term journalist, everyone today Uh-oh. is calling themselves a journalist. Okay. Uh, I don't think me and Nyla refer to ourselves as that. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of work that goes into that. What do y'all that, refer to yourselves as? I'm a media personality. Media person. Okay. Host DJ. Okay. Yeah, like I, I get to do cool things, but I haven't I haven't gone to school. I haven't studied the ethics that go into journalism. So I would, I feel like I would be being disrespectful. Well, I feel but, like when you do interviews, you do journalism work prior to doing the interview. Yeah. But you would hope. Research. Yes, I mean, some people. You would hope. Yeah, but yeah, you research. So prepare. to that extent, but not like, um, like I used to write for the source. I had to actually really do mad research. I don't do that type of research for my interviews. Mm. So that's the difference. I yeah. feel like what you right. guys do with NPR and on Louder Than a Riot, that's, you guys are live on trial. You know what I mean? Like you're actually on the ground. That's not just real. giving your, not just, not just giving your opinion. Hey, yeah, uh, this is terrible. Yeah, I, I can't believe they're doing this. That's the hot real takes. distinction, distinction, yeah. the hot takes and the, and the people perceiving their opinions as facts, facts. and Oof. promoting them as facts and willfully and, and the thing is, people believe it though. Yeah. Well, that, like, but that goes in. in like, you know, that's what I'm saying. That goes into journal. Go yeah, ahead, go, go ahead, go ahead. But that goes into being a journalist, knowing that the words I say right now on this medium will have an effect on somebody reading this. Yeah. What do I want that to be? Do I want it to be me informing them? Mm-hmm. Or do I want it to be me leading them? And I don't think anyone is so like. Like I said, we're being controversial. So somebody like Nori, right? Somebody like Nori who constantly just, I'm an, as a journalist, <laughs> you know, when he does that shit. Oh, yeah. not really not impression. He doesn't have to do that, but that was entertaining. He doesn't, doesn't? <laughs> yeah, did I, did I lie? That right there, journalist work. I just did journalism. Just that. that. Was- yeah, oh, I, I studied him, oh, oh. and then I brought it to you guys. <laughs> that was method acting. Like, I'll take that too. <laughs> Mac Wild, coming for your ass, brother. Uh, but it, like, he'll go on Wikipedia, yeah. or he'll have his his nephew. Yeah. Uh, I hope Wikipedia sen- is not his source. Like, it is. He's even- said it multiple times. Oh, wow. He goes on Wikipedia, <laughs> writes down the questions, yeah. or he'll have his nephew, who I'm pretty sure is doing the same exact thing, <laughs> send him the questions, and then he'll look at his phone and he'll be like. Uh, so 1995, and before you can answer the question, he starts talking about a different story. But that is, but he calls himself a journalist. So what is the difference between what you guys are doing with Loud and the Riot and what others like that are doing with their platforms? I mean, it's it's you already know the distinction, which is good because I think a lot of people who who call themselves media personalities do not, you know, or or do not care to to understand the nuance between them um i feel like it's a really big distinction because i i'm not a media personality i don't i probably don't have the personality to be but you got the voice you have the voice thank you i appreciate it man See um, that right there? Wow, you just dropped wow. that octave? I, no. <laughs> I was flattered. What? I've never been flattered Y'all before in my life. <laughs> you know when somebody's like, oh, I'm flattered? The I was just flattered. Club, the fan club, girl. Y'all, wow. <laughs> it's getting crazy. No, but for real, like, 
I, I think that hip hop is really in, a, in an interesting place. And it's not just hip hop. Yeah. We understand that this is the state of media now. A lot of it has to do with the fact that um, there's been so much divestment. You know, there, there's just not the, the the funding in journalism from a local level to a national level, from from print media to, to TV media. Um, it's been going on for decades now. So the whole that's filled that is is entertainment. And sometimes the entertainment looks like what we bought, what it's always looked like to us, you know, rappers rapping. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it looks it looks different, like rappers saying they're journalists, you know, and <laughs> right. and still doing some some cool shit. You know right. what I'm saying? I mean, I love I love all of the all of the podcasts. I mean, you know, for the most part, I watch <laughs> I watch them. I watch them. I think it does add to something. Let me say that. Yeah. I do say that because I know I'm I'm cognizant of where I stand in this and how I might say something. People are like, "See, he hates everything." But I do understand the benefit to that, right? Like yeah. if you're into hip hop, certain artists just aren't going to have that conversation with me, with you guys, no matter how good we are with our job. Exactly. It not, it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. Certain legacy acts exactly. aren't going to believe like, yeah, shit, I can be this open with this young exactly. guy. Exactly. But they'll go to Nori or they'll go to uh, uh, whoever's doing a podcast at the time and be like, you understand it. Well, you were there. Mm -hmm. I could talk to you mm -hmm. about this thing. Yeah. But I don't think that makes it journalism. And I think it gets very dangerous when we start just putting that stamp on stuff. Well, see, the thing is now in this era, it's been so long that we haven't, we've had a lack of it and a void of it. Yeah. That I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks consuming the culture at this point, they don't even know to miss it. Yeah. Mm. That's you know the, what I'm saying? That's the confusion point. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of the scary thing too. That's really we, good. We can go, we, it's been a long time since we had, some real consistent deep diving quality you know hip-hop journalism yeah and i think you can see it in terms of what the culture produces right you know what i'm saying because it's a it's an ecosystem and you know everything feeds everything and so if we don't have the kind of critical you know uh, critical attention being paid to the culture and 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 what people are producing and what we're consuming um it, it, it just it it just don't it don't circulate and hit the same, you know. So mm. I think that's really one of the big things that's missing. I know? know relationships in hip hop, especially hip hop journalism, is like essential. Is that like tricky for you guys when it comes to producing? Um, it it definitely can be. I mean, it's always it's always a negotiation. It's always a tightrope walk. But I I do before it falls out of my head. I wanna. Sorry. Before it falls out of my head, I do want to go back to one thing you said, Miles, about going to school for it. Mm -hmm. I don't think this journalism is a profession that you necessarily need yeah. to go to school for. Um, I don't think you need to go to school or college for a lot of professions these days. Word. But you do... Somewhere you got to learn ethics. And that's what I meant. That's what, that's what, that's I, what I meant. What I, that, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm getting yeah, to. Like, you good. still need to be... You still need to know the journalistic ethics that are the foundation, and you need to want to be a student. You need to want to be a student. Like, there's a lot of people, going back to what I was saying before, about people assuming that because they are, I don't know, charismatic and people laugh at their takes that that is, like, their statements are facts. Um, I think journalism at a base level is about 
learning something, being committed to learn it. This is a, across any type of beat and sharing what you learn. And then if you add your own voice, your own identity, your own narrative, your own take on top of that, you still have the base layer of the facts, of, of sharing the facts that you learned. And I think knowing knowing when something is veering into quid pro quo territory is essential, knowing when this is um, – there are complications and it gets into situations of – not all the way blackmail, but like I know something about you. So if you don't want me to tell da 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 da, da you know what I'm saying? Because it is it is very tricky. This industry is a mix of work and pleasure inherently yes. all the time. Yeah. So you, there's always those those different streams to navigate. But I think at the base level, you need to know your facts. You need to know your morals. You need to know your boundaries and your line and what you're not going to cross and not play it by situations, not think about what is going to get you go to go viral, what is going to get you an ad sponsorship, what is going to get you an exclusive cover, you know, and, and, and what is going to get you a big moment? It's more about consistency. What's going to ride you? What's going to be able to drive you to being a consistent source of news? Oh, no matter where you're telling it. Like going on Rodney's point, we have very few consistent publications, outlets, specific spaces just for hip-hop journalism anymore. We have people. We have people we can trust and bylines we can trust, but... The way media is going, like those people aren't even safe anymore. So they got to get it how they live at different publications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm, I'm more, I'm more, I guess I'm more comfortable following people I trust rather than places then, I yeah, trust. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all at that point. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> so you currently listening to the What Hip Hop Questions Legends and List. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us. 
ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To speak a bit more about relationships or, 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 you know, kind of expound on that, relationships sometimes are bigger than just the linear I know you, you know me, mm-hmm. 
we're friends. I'm trying like there's 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 the relationship between uh which I want to talk about, there's the relationship between fan and you know, person of worthy of fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, which I directly want to talk to you guys about because on your last episode, well not your last episode, last week's episode with Trick Daddy, or that two weeks. Two weeks episode because yeah, you had a week in between. Yeah. yeah, episode four mm-hmm. with with uh you guys specifically spoke to Trick Daddy. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment in there where he kind of got annoyed. <laughs> Let's get back to your relationship with Trina, right? Your brother-sister relationship, where she yeah, came. And we got, I got to go. We, saw, we over an hour, and this whole conversation is about Trina. Okay, so... I thought y'all want to interview me. Y'all asking me everything about Trina. No, like, I mean... This happened, Eric, like, I, I, I understand this. Y'all trick me, but go ahead. We're going we to ask about three, four more questions, because we over an hour already. Now, for the record, y'all, I swear we did not set out to trick, trick that. And you guys are talking to him about a very serious topic and giving him an opportunity to be accountable, uh, maybe even, you know, uh, show some remorse uh, or just come to a different thought process. Mm -hmm. And there came a moment where this typically, and I'll be the one to say this typically happened with black men when they're confronted with their misogyny war and that there comes this moment where, I don't know if you guys seen it, but there's a switch that they go from kind of open to... Now this, you know what I mean? And I heard that audibly, but you guys had to see it. And I'm pretty sure (laughs) at some point over the last 15 years, y'all have sung a Trick Daddy song, (laughs) been a fan of something he's done. So what is that? What is it like uh, as a journalist or as anyone talking to someone that there is some type of fandom, but you see this thing that you vehemently, viscerally disagree with and then like standing on it? Well, I mean, we we already understood what we were walking into when we went to Trick Daddy's house in Miami um, because we've seen the love and hip hop episodes. We've seen him and Trina go back and forth and the way that he doesn't he tries to take credit for her career, you know, way beyond just the first song that they did together. Um, Which is the theme of the the conversation. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think that what we hoped, the be- the best thing we hoped for was, like you said, that he would be willing to be a little more reflective right. about their relationship. And, you know, this is 20, 25 years later now. Right. You know, I mean, they were practically kids at the time. You know, we are older and we mature and, 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 and that kind of thing. You would hope. You would hope. Yeah, you would um, hope. But, you know, I think sometimes it's also hard for artists and artists like Trick because... It's everything he stands on. Right. Everything he stands on is being the kind of, you know, misogynistic, you know, um, type of dude that he has always been. I mean, that was the appeal when we were bumping Trick Daddy in, mm-hmm. you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think, you know, the box that you create for yourself ends up in some ways becoming like, you know, a cell. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And so and he's I think he's kind of stuck in that place and he feels like then, like you say, he has to defend that position. And you know what I mean? So it was interesting though, because, you know, like you said, it happens in front of your eyes and yeah. and you know, we're sitting in his living room and and he he's got this, his pit bulls coming in and out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. And, and and yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's it feels very, you know. We, one of them was like tangled in the wires of the mic at one point. Yeah, Remember that? yeah. And we oh, wanted like, a pitch. death yeah. roll or something. <laughs> 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 That's what it sounds like. I mean, we sitting on the couch with him, just like we sitting right here, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, it's like you say, when it's in your face, it's a lot different than right. than than hearing it, you know, on music that you can push pause on and that kind of stuff. So I don't know what what was your experience. What was it like for you, Sid? Mm, I mean, with the second season being about who gets misogynistically marginalized within hip hop, there weren't that many hetero black men who were going to talk to us about this subject. Right. So this was actually one of the few, and I mean, a lot of people declined to talk to us based based on what we said, the pitch. Uh, (laughs) But this was one of the few (laughs) moments where there could have been accountability. Um, And I'll just say, like, being a black woman who's worked in hip-hop for so many years at this point, I was prepared for, I was prepared for the response. Kind of hardened to it already. I mean, it's, it's a weird, it's a precarious place of when you do want to push back as a black woman in an interview Mm. and then they go from feeling open feeling like maybe at best it's an intimate space it's a safe space where you can start talking like you can really start talking about the music really getting granular to all of a sudden but also like sometimes like oh she cute this can be a flirting opportunity too to like (laughs) nah nah she trying to tell me she trying to paint me like that uh-uh, I ain't getting, I ain't going out like that. Right. So I was very, I was very prepared for the lack of accountability right. and the shutdown. And I'm glad, I'm proud of the way we handled it. I don't think. Well done. We it, was like, it was like, we didn't I was about to say, I was about to say, you were saying y'all, like there was parts where you can hear you still, yes. you stayed on him, <laughs> yes. but then Rodney would come, Rodney's voiceover would come in, but you still hear you in the back. And I'm exactly. like, oh, that's tough. She was, hey, yo. You was not, you was acting like one of the pit bulls. You what wanted that. To the, the fire. No. To the fire. It was, what'd you say? Who said no? Who said no? To doing the interview. Oh, wow. Oh, who are the people that have said no? To talking on the season? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, pfft. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to say? I don't know. I don't know if we want to say. All right. Look, look at now. I mean, yeah, if, get controversial. I, I, I Honestly, like, uh, if you listen to, to each episode, though, you can, you you can, can figure you can it assume, out together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can assume, okay, who who would have been the party in this episode? Who could have been accountable? And then even in certain episodes, like this morning when I listened to, uh, <laughs> this morning when I listened to episode five about, mm-hmm. you know, about about the OG Kim, um, you said it flat out, like we reached out and- right. We he said no out. until then we DM'd him. Then all of a sudden they're checking for him. It's like yep. There's always so, there's always something with these. There's names. always something. So yeah, the episode that just came out. I mean, again, another another opportunity for moving forward, um, humility, accountability. You know, looking at a situation with fresh eyes and you know more time mm-hmm. between. And uh, so yeah, the episode is about Kim Osario's sexual harassment lawsuit against the Source magazine and its co-owners back in like 2005, 2006, Mm -hmm. and how she specifically did not win on the sexual harassment and gender discrimination claims. She won on other lesser claims and what that could have meant for hip hop. If if she was awarded, it Mm -hmm. could have been a real like, you know, bell tone. It could have been a real bell tone. It could have been a real culture shift of sexual harassment is not is not to be played with. Like, it's not condoned in this industry, in this culture at all. But it but it wasn't. So we kind of look at the missed opportunity of it. And so within that, we did try to interview, um, we did our due diligence. We tried to interview Benzino. We tried to interview Dave Mays. And Benzino didn't answer for months and months and months. And then we hit him on DMs. And his first question, his only question really was, is there a check involved? And we don't pay for interviews. Like, 
And that's another that's, that's another journalism standard. Journalism. Yeah, I feel like that would have been a great moment for him, especially the fact that he has daughters and daughters that yes. we know that he yeah. could have yes. like. Yeah. And then Dave Mays took it even a step further. He never responded to our producer. He never said yes or no, but he hit us back via his lawyer saying that he sent Kim Osai a cease and desist. Which is so threatening what? to sue her if she breached her contract. If he heard anything on our podcast that indicated she was breaching her podcast. It was, so, it was so funny hearing that, right? This morning on my way to the gym because I'm like, there's no way these two niggas was acting like that. <laughs> because over, I was telling Nyla and D-Block uh, last week, or was it the other day? I forget. But I was telling them over the pandemic. I had, you know, when Clubhouse was yeah. going, and, and it took me so long to get on it. Because I was like, what do I want? I talk for free. Like, mm-hmm. What? All right. And so I was like, you know what? If I get on here... I'm going to use this as a space to delve and be respecting journalistic yeah. things. I remember that. Wait, I remember that clubhouse. So I did I the room. Yeah. So I did Aaliyah the room. Aaliyah was in that. Oh, Aaliyah, yeah, who you hear. Aaliyah, yes. Yes. Kim, mm-hmm. yeah, that was good. Dave, yep. Benzino, yep. Every, all of them was in this room. Yeah. And for the next two weeks, they both were hounding me. One other person, I ain't gonna say his name here because he wants to, he he's he asked for too much credit. But all three of them were on my neck for the next two weeks. Hey, you should come do this. Hey, you should come do this. And I'm like, so when I heard, I'm like, wait, people were asking, people were reaching out to you for interviews, and you were, you were begging me mm-hmm. to do another, like literally begging. You should do another room, and then you, I could tell you the story, and I could tell you the story. And I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't. I mean, but that's the difference. Yeah. Like the room was about the exactly. glory days. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. wasn't gonna, we, we weren't asking about the glory days. <laughs> you know, was we it? was asking about when it when shit got shit got st- sticky, shit got grimy. You know, yeah. And of what what could, how the hand how the situations could have been handled, right? Mm. And how they're looked back on now, maybe with a fresh perspective, or maybe not. What do you think hip hop's problem is with accountability? See, these are hard-hitting journalistic questions. Okay, right? That's why when yes. my say he, I, I, I know. I, no, no, no. I, notice what I said. I said I want to be one. I'm just. Not, I know so many people. I know you guys, and I know so many people that work in. Like I said, when I say go to school, I just mean you went and learned the ethics. I'm self-taught and all this, but I can't learn ethics. I have to go look that up, and I just. But I mean, it would is. Feel you are asking like the essential questions, exactly. and and. Hip hop's problem with accountability is just society's problem with accountability. I was going to say accountability requires you to give up power, and people mm, don't want to do that. But I think most, mostly everything that we're talking about in regards to hip hop culture, it's not just on hip hop culture. It's just American culture yeah. across exactly. the board. I didn't want to say it earlier because we were nah, getting too in deep. No, it's just like, yeah. this isn't. It's 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 a world renowned problem. Yeah, and the irony is, hip hop was created because. People didn't have power. People, in protest. Yeah, in protest for for the way that black people in America were being forgotten about, marginalized, oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, still to this day, like it's it's a huge accelerator for hip hop and the messages in hip hop. And the irony of of the way that power exchange or or inequality of power is replicated in hip hop is what is, you know, it's I mean, it's, it's just a reflection of the culture. But I do think that now, because you guys are doing think pieces like this, I feel like we're growing into a space where men are changing their ways. 
You do? I wish. I mean, look at Mouse. I'm I'm Mouse I'm an outlier. Okay, okay. I'm an outlier. One. Reform. I'm not reformed. Let's not say that. <laughs> but once again, it's once but, things are put in front of you, you now have a choice. Exactly. Am I going to continue to do? Okay, growing up, like you said, growing up in this culture, consuming this culture, specifically in New York, it was like, okay, doing this growing up used to be funny. Mm. Yeah. Now, as an adult, doing this makes us a, a whole entire group of innocent people feel away. Mm. Do I still want to be responsible for that? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no. I have these the debates choice. with my dad all the time about things that was normal to him. Same. I'm like, that's actually mad offensive. And I feel like, you know what I mean? And he's like, you know what? You're right. So it must be nice. My well, dad be like. Yeah, it's, keep it's, going. I'd be like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> all right. I, like what you said is about taking accountability. But I, I'll say for me, so far in my journey, like I've ran into both. I've ran into like men like Charlemagne who embrace and empower and constantly like try to big up. And then I've, I've ran into guys who've tried to fuck and fuck me over and like try to belittle me or not take me seriously because I'm a woman. So I feel like I feel like I've been lucky. Whereas like I feel like if I came around the '90s, like I've heard horror stories of like. Men trying to beat up women because they got two mics, you know, from like the source or something like that. Yeah. So I say, when we make like a huge conscious effort to protect like women like Nyla and, and women like saying, like, you're not gonna play. Like, and I think that's what that is what needs to start happening. Is it gonna happen? I think um, Lotto said it um, on your last episode. It's it's on the men. The men have sure. to yeah. fix it. We can't just like we tell people sometimes, some people listen to this, but. It's, it can't be the burden of the oppressed person to teach the oppressor. Exactly. The oppressor exactly. has to find the error within their ways right. and then say, do I want to continue to oppress or do I not want, do I want to liberate? Well, let me ask you something. Cause like how you, you call yourself an outlier. How hard, how hard is it to be an outlier when, cause you know, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little older. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like if you ain't starting to come to your senses a little bit by this age, it's probably ain't no hope for you, but it, it, it's like that a few few ages down as well. Yeah. It's like, all right, so it sounds super corny. So I grew up, so let's just talk about misogynoir, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up in the church. Okay. I was constantly shown, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The hypocrisy in a lot of the messages, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. If you're gay, you're going to hell. Hmm, that's funny because... The minister of music's gay. Mm-hmm. I don't care what y'all got to yeah. say about it. <laughs> he's gay. That big ass bow tie is not for any. He's gay. He's so right. But you'll 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 benefit from him making sure your sound sounds good and your mm-hmm. your ministry sounds good. But then you'll step on that same pulpit mm-hmm. and then condemn him to hell. Mm-hmm. Women, I've I've watched women be demeaned, mm-hmm. both uh, consciously, subconsciously. Watched them. You, and we could talk about that a whole other topic, right? Just the insidiousness of the black church. Right. But just specifically seeing that on a surface level being like, okay, so you give this woman all the credit. Oh, the woman should keep the house. She's the head of my house. Oh, the first lady, da, da. But she can't preach. Mm. She's not allowed to preach. Or, you know, she has to damn near call you daddy to get some type of... Mm. It just never made sense to me, right? right? So then I would always have that critique, right? Okay. And then... I just didn't want to be a person as a person, right? I didn't want to be a person who's just evil to people that don't deserve it. Mm. We were talking about innocent people. So if me running out, I, we from New York. So we know the F word used to fly Mm. and it wouldn't even be 
at gay people. Mm-hmm. Right. That yeah. would be the thing. I could count, and I might be I might be dragging, but I don't think I've ever in my entire life called a gay person the F word growing up. It was always a friend-to-friend thing, exactly. a peer-to-peer thing. Yeah. But then you realize, hey, this offends people. Yeah. People who ain't bothering you. Right. That's always been... As somebody yeah, who don't mind offending people, doing anything to you. I am offending people. I'm bothering people that ain't bothering me. Yeah. Here, let's fix that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't nobody want to hear that shit because there comes an access with the disrespect. Yeah. Hmm. Somebody's oppression lends to somebody's access elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I didn't learn that in full until I was a, became a cast member of the grapevine. Now, I'm no other place was I sitting my mom and her homegirls weren't having these conversations yeah and if they were they weren't having them around us my my cousins wasn't having these conversations mm-hmm. i was only seeing one side of it and that's the barbershop side exactly man bitches this right. man you better you better watch yourself around these bitches right that the only <laughs> other instance you have the only other opinion you have is lauren hill yeah if we're being honest because yeah. you listening like wait for real Hell no. And so sitting on that grapevine cast for so long, it was like, nah, you, you're looking at the mirror. Some shit got to change, bro. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't happen to everyone. The same way I looked in the mirror and said, some shit got to change. Mm-hmm. Other people, and you, you can go look at it. I'm holding that same mirror to other men and be like, look at this, bro. You want to keep doing this? And the answer would be an emphatic yes. I want to keep doing this. I want to keep living this way. I want to keep, because there comes an access. And I think that's what everyone needs to understand. I think when it comes to these conversations about misogyny war and and all of this, I think there's two things that need to be uh, examined. One, someone's oppression immediately leads to someone someone else's access, right? right? Immediately, it's a, it's like the science of it, right? Yeah. If I press you here, that means I get access here. Mm-hmm. That's why people vote the way they vote. Mm-hmm. That's why people spend the money they where they spend, where they live, where they live. I oppress somebody. We move this community of people out of this neighborhood. That means brand new apartments for people to come gentrify, yeah. right? Yeah. So if we keep our foot on these women's neck, that means these niggas keep getting to be mediocre and nobody can challenge them. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Jamila Lemus so whole piece was yeah. about, which was really a guiding light to us when we were starting to do research and we were trying to figure out which stories to tell. Because, yeah. I mean, for the 10 episodes sprint, you can only tell 10 stories and then you got to match up with what stories you want to tell and who you can get. Because, again, people said, some people said no. Um, but, <laughs> but I remember... So much when we were talking about our research, you kept pulling up that yeah, article. I wish, lie. I wish I, what was the name? What was the, the name of Black it? Black Ass Lie. Well, that's yes. not the full title, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's Dave Chappelle. It's, it's basically, you know, in, in, in response to Dave Chappelle's uh, comedy special, The Closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and his transphobic mm-hmm. elements exactly. to it. Yeah. yeah. And um, man, that's a, that's a deep essay, you know. And, um, and actually, you know, you were talking a lot about accountability. Um, and there's going to be an episode a little later in the season where I kind of explore that ground a lot, you know. And I talked to Jamila. Right. Um, and some I can't other wait. Folks. She's literally one of the smartest people I've ever met in Man. my life. You're now listening to the What Hip Hop Questions Legend List. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. 
At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, Each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed from police brutality 
to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll say this in regards to, it's not really accountability, but I guess into like hip-hop toxic norms. Mm Mm-hmm. They're so normal, you don't even realize that it's toxic, right? Exactly. And that's the tricky part. Yeah. So it's hard to even, because um, I actually want you guys to elaborate a little more about episode three and how you guys broke down the three different stories under the mm. same lens. But just like, you don't really realize what you're in because we've just been in it for so long. So Facts, yeah. it's just going to take a complete lifestyle change. You know, got to destroy but it. How are you going to make a lifestyle change when you're just making so much money off of it? Because everybody is getting bread. You mean in regards specifically to the theme on episode three? You or, just mean overall. Or you just mean overall? I meant overall yeah. with everybody. Like, why would men stop rapping about this if they're making a lot of money off it and people are doing it? Why would women stop? you know selling sex if i'm making all this money off of it yeah well i mean on the point of selling sex i think that was a big that was a big um meditation we had for episode four i I do want to talk about three but but episode four which is all about sexual agency it's it's selling sex for whose eye because trina was you know trina is so much of a blueprint for a lot of the girls today because she not only got really explicit on the mic but she did it for herself she centered herself she turned men into accessories at a time when um uncle luke Mm -hmm. and two live crew they were treating women as accessories she literally flipped the script on it and then she flipped the script again when she outgrew trick who presumably made her um but i think it's always just about it's about intent like what is the end goal to it and and if the end goal is a check you gotta i don't know you you should think about what your relationship to overall capitalism is you know which is another that's a underpinning yeah that's of of hip-hop now and like it's it's a huge it's a huge accelerator to a lot of the decisions we make yes because we live in a capitalist society right um but I think it's who are you doing it for? Who are you speaking to? What is your audience? What is what do you what do you want to give your audience? Um, and what are you trying to get out of the art you're creating? Because I don't want to I don't want to discredit anything about the themes in it. Because art is catharsis in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And going back to the black ass lie, a lot of the dehumanization of black women 
in music historically has come from black men being dehumanized in all other facets. And then once they have their own voice and their own microphone, you know, that residual dehumanization to actually get some of their sense of self back. That's a that's a broad overgeneralization. Mm-hmm. But going back to Mouse's point of if you're so oppressed, it, you want to do something sometimes to feel less oppressed, less suppressed, and you got to look around and be like, okay, who can I residually oppress so that I can feel like I have some access, that I can ha- can feel like I have some control and agency over it. So Trina flipping the script and being like, nah, actually, I'm going <laughs> to have you eat my pussy and I'm going to get the car note on the way out. Thanks. Like, you know, she was completely flipping not only um, capitalist, capitalist norms and not only social sex norms. norms. Yeah, yeah, so many social norms. But I guess as it relates to episode three, the main theme, the main theme of episode three is body policing. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea which which flows from the male gaze, which is the idea that everything, everything done in society, everything that a woman does in society is in the eye of what a straight man wants to see. And in hip hop, it's like a straight black man. So it's. um male fantasies and when you don't fit into that very specific box that very specific mold you are ostracized ridiculed dehumanized in so many different ways so we looked at how that can happen on a personal level and then a social level social media level and then also on a corporate level so we talked to three different artists who've had their bodies policed in three different ways that are completely like you said normalized at at this this stage in the game at this point so we talked to dream doll who got real deep and i i can't thank her enough for being so open with me about the real motivations behind all her surgeries behind her breast augmentations her bbl um when she had this moment where she was like actually this this bbl is putting toxic chemicals into my body and i need to take it out like what was i doing this for and it all on a real personal level it all flowed back to a dusty ex, like an ex who was body shaming her. Um, and she was like, I'm going to get over on him. And then she, you know, she became a, a body girl with body, 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 <laughs> to a reality star, to a rapper. And she's very open with, she's very open with all her surgeries on social media, in person, in her music. And then we spoke to um, Baby Tate. Rodney mm-hmm. went to Atlanta and talked to Baby Tate a couple times about that moment yeah. when she was on Afropunk stage in 2021. She felt great on stage. And then the internet dragged her. Mm-hmm. The internet dragged her because her stomach was not on flat flat and her ass was not like all the way up her back. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's just... Up her back is hilarious. It's just <laughs> great. It's just wild. But but again, the internet dragged her and she clapped back and then things kind of dissipated. But what we want to always do in in Louder is look at the, the context of it. Take things that sometimes feel like a blip on the radar right. and really investigate their deeper meanings. And then... For the third act, we talked to Dochi, who's on TDE, one of the most, I feel like one one of them ones, one yeah, to watch sure. yeah. in this next couple years. Yeah. Um, and the stand that she wanted to take with her debut video on TDE for the for crazy. She was purposely naked. She purposely had an all-black female femme cast who bared their bodies, not for the male gaze, but in direct opposition to it. 
and she was residually censored by by YouTube. Um, they told her she was violating guidelines because what she was putting on the screen with that video was deemed to be sexually gratifying or titillating to men. She's like, it's actually the exact opposite of that. And so it was um, it was restricted from trending. It was restricted from a lot of promotion. I mean, in that case, it's she's come up off of it. Crazy is a great song. I, I feel like I hear crazy in commercials, OD. TV ads, mm -hmm. OD now. So it's like, who got the last laugh for real? But still, mm. it's like, these are the battles that people just talk up to up. Oh, it's the industry. It's the culture. Da, da, da. It's like no, actually, it's deeper than that. Yeah, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a couple episodes coming up where we really, we really get in the weeds. You could say and like untangle a lot of the misogynistic underpinnings of of artists who've had to just deal with it and keep it moving. And and you know, for the sake of getting their bag, for the sake of for the sake of feeling like they still want to make art, for the sake of sometimes just feeling like they need to stay relevant. Um, what are some examples of that that we could talk I mean, about? Rico, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Rico, I think this was also in 2021 when everybody started going back outside for the first time. Rico Nasty was the opening act on Play by Cardi's tour. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep. Oh, that was and it, yep. she got, I mean, in the grand scheme of it, it's it was a 20-stop tour, but for three or four essential stops, she was harassed nonstop to the point where somebody threw glass bottles at her. And this is not the first time somebody's thrown a glass bottle on stage. This is not the first time someone's thrown a glass bottle on stage at a rapper. Mm. But the the motivations behind that throw and then what that really what that really was an echo of of what her fans who represent a very expansive femme demographic yep. in hip hop what they were feeling when they had to be standing there and watch the person they actually came for get booed get ridiculed and get feeling accosted. highly mm -hmm. uncomfortable yeah. and then they're feeling accosted by mm -hmm. Playboy Cardi fans too so we get into that really deep um, the the McConan episode is a great example of that too you should talk about that yeah yeah the McConan episode is I mean what happens when you don't fit in the box and what the decisions you have to make for it exactly I mean everybody knows that you know McConan and Drake made history together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know pretty quickly after after Tuesday went up you, you didn't hear much about McConan after mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. um, and there were a lot of rumors and a lot of things that that happened but when we talked to McConan um, you know McConan was not out at that time. Right. You know, this was 2014 and a couple of years later he he did come out and he he lives in Portland now, so we went out to Portland and 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 talked to him. He's in a really good space first of all. He's he's in a great space. He's still making dope music. Um but he had to remove himself from, from the industry because the industry wasn't ready. Mm. You know, he kind of predates, you know, this this era we're in now. The progressive era. Exactly. Yeah. Where we see uh, more queer artists, you know, getting mainstream, you know, visibility and, and success, you know, and really running the industry in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, he kind of was was just before that that curve. And so, you know. We really get into I really I really love this episode because of how we end up talking about this um this relationship, this partnership between him and Drake and what it says about black masculinity and what it says about the threat that somebody like McConan might have been to somebody in Drake's position. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um 
And I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of go back and look at that era through the lens of where we are now and and, and really kind of just break that down and see it in a new light, you know. And I hope that McConan gets some 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 love that that he deserves and really credit for for being, mm. you know, way ahead, you know, musically, but but also just, you know, like stylistically, culturally and a whole lot of other stuff, you know. Uh, when we talk about misogyny, misogyny and hip hop have gone hand in hand since I don't want to say since day one, but definitely since the commodification of hip hop, definitely since the. The dawn of gangster rap and all that, what we know to be hip hop. Even before that. The, see? Yeah. So so we talk about that, right? Even going back to when Dre and Snoop were like, you know, bitches ain't shit. And then Queen Latifah responds, you know, who you calling the bitch? You know? Uh, but today it's like the popular female rappers, some of our favorites. Um, it seems that they are in protest or just because that's what they want to do. They're kind of doing the same thing, but turning it inward. So is it still objectification if women are taking control of it? When you say turning inward, what do you mean? So like if if uh, so where Dre and Snoop or, you know, the masses were, you're a bitch, you're a bitch, you're a bitch, you're a bitch. And you a hoe, you a hoe, you a hoe, you suck this dick, da, da, da. But now women are like, I'm a suck this dick, I'm a bitch, I'm this, I'm that. I'm whoever I want to be. Mm-hmm. Is that still objectification? Because I think that's a question on the men that's in the middle that's trying to figure things out. I think that's a bigger que- that's a big question that I see a lot. So, it, from your standpoint, or from you know what you've guys been experiencing or, or um, reporting on, right. do you still look at that as, as, as do women see that as object, or do they not care? I mean, I think that's a person to person question. I remember when. Taking it back to 2020, um, I remember when WAP came out. Remember when mm-hmm. WAP dropped? That shit. Everybody was upset. Yo, what a year. What a weird space. Everybody was inside and upset. Us, I, I was, <laughs> yo, I was loving I was loving it. I, fucking, I was like, yo, thank God somebody gave us something new, something mm-hmm. fresh, um, a complete flip. Cardi is always good for that, though. Yeah. But it was so funny. I remember... I was, okay, story time. I was packing up one of my friend's apartments and they, it had just dropped and they don't work, they don't work in music. So I was like, yo, did you see this video? Did you see this video? They were like, no, we stopped everything in, in the midst of all the boxes and we watched this video and it was so hilarious. (laughs) My friend's reactions. One of my friends was like, yo, this is fucking amazing. Play it again. These are bad bitches. And the other friend is like, the whole song is about pussy. (laughs) They both were women. Yes. That's so. Yes. I mean, it's, but, but, but in that division, in that binary of points of view, it comes down to personal choice. Like we, there's another example of this in um, Ride or Die, which is the book by Shanita Hubbard, Shanita, yeah. who we also reference in season yeah, episode sorry, four, in episode four mm-hmm. of this season, and it's it's all about where does the where does agency lie on the line? Like if you say, for example, um, let's take let's take Megan the Stallion. Megan the Stallion, like, 
she yeah she be twerking for TikTok or twerking for where else, but she also just twerks for herself. I'm I'm sure for every little sliver that we see, I mean, she's probably all day twerking. All right, her whole camera roll probably that because that's what makes her feel good. That's what she loves to do, good. and that's how she celebrates her body. That's what she does. Um, in direct like subversion of somebody probably telling her about telling her not to do it mm. i think there's a line on one of her songs she's like it's 2020 i'm not still about to argue with y'all about twerking mm-hmm. i'm not so so when so when all these um people came came at megan and cardi talking about how this is like completely you know obscene and what crude, about the kids like what about the kids <laughs> are you that first of all don't <laughs> what about the started, kids was crazy don't even get me started on <laughs> How people try to use their children as shields for morality policing. That's a whole different in every I feel like in every facet. But but kids it's just all wanna, about they just want to watch Paw Patrol. Individual. <laughs> I don't know nothing about Paw Patrol. <laughs> isn't there isn't there a better one, Gracie's Corner, right? Oh, I'm not hip. You better apparently, be. Apparently, are you serious? You got three on it. She she's I watching Gracie's Corner. Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol has like. Never, I'm not gonna speak. Let me be quiet because I don't even know. Oh, anyway, okay. I just hear Problem- from my Paw Patrol is problematic. I feel it's, like po- it's Paw Patrol, I feel they like- some cops. <laughs> oh, for real. Okay. I feel like there's some problematic <laughs> okay, elements. Okay. Is what I'm hearing from my friends that have kids. Yeah. It's okay, it's gotcha, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> we are not team. Yeah, I definitely watch the, the police uh paraphernalia around. <laughs> yeah, it's that fuck the police, fuck the Paw Patrol. Um, but <laughs> going back to my point, how do you stay on? <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, but going back to my original point, it's about the individual choice. I don't think that yeah. who I don't know, we could we could insert any name of like rap girl who's running things. I don't think it's fully it in the in the vein of how it was a couple decades back where it was like, this is the only way you can get put on. The space is so big and so expansive, so disparate now mm. that you can put yourself on and you can craft an image or persona that does include sex and it's not the end result of like getting the attention of a man like i i don't think going to starting to go to shows more in this you know what they call like a renaissance of women in rap these shows are packed out with girls women and femmes who feel empowered seen yeah. heard felt want to get up get up on stage and feel like and it's not for any man in the room yeah and see that's i feel like the big difference when you look at this era versus the the reverse era that you're talking about is is whose whose pleasure is being centered mm-hmm. yeah you know what i'm saying because you know i came up on on the luke and two live era you know if you saw a woman on stage shaking ass there were a whole bunch of men around yeah you know what i'm saying and when you go to or or see the videos you talking about wop i don't know is there a single man in the wop video not a straight one it's a whole lot of twerking yeah. it's a whole lot of you know sex mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. but it's it's <laughs> <laughs> The, the South couldn't help but come out going on. <laughs> sex is going on, y'all. <laughs> it is sex in the video. It's going on. <laughs> they said Rodney was sex happening. No, it was going on. <laughs> Yo, I like what you said about it being like up to the individual. Right. And I think across the board, when it comes to the top, the topic of misogynoir in general. 
it's up to the individual of men to want to grow and be held accountable mm. and change. And it's up to women on how they want to present themselves. Because I think at the end of the day, I guess my beef with it is that there are there are just different types of people across the board. You know what I mean? There are men who are womanizers. There are women who do the same thing in return. Mm -hmm. There are some people who are modest. There are some people who aren't. So I think just changing the lens and making it fair is just what's the important part of the narrative that you guys are, are doing, which is dope. So yeah. that's my flowers to you guys. But Thank you. Like, and I think we're in an era where with social media um, and with so many different means to talk to people and, and connect with people. I don't feel like an artist like, um, I don't know, Saweetie. I feel like I know so much more about Saweetie than I would know about... A Kim, a Foxy. A Kim or a Foxy mm -hmm. because she connects directly. It's not, she's not just, um, she's not talking, she's not just rapping about her BBL or whatever it is. She's also doing cooking videos, you right. know, so showing off her nails. It, Megan, Megan, the fact that we know so much about Megan's love of anime, for an ex as an mm -hmm. example, like... You can see the complex layers. The complex, like, people are multifaceted, and I don't yeah. think that's, that's, a gr that's a piece of grace that was offered to women in a couple decades or a couple generations back. Mm -hmm. And that's not to fault them. Yeah. I don't think it's something where it's like, oh, yeah... The, these women in the old school were, you know, stuck. they were silenced or stuck yeah. or they had to be tokenized. Like they were they were working with what they had. And they're the reason that these building blocks are even there for us as black women working in music, for black women making music to even have the dexterity and even want to show off and, and, and have the community yeah. to have us back up have what we do be backed up. Yeah. So I think it really is about, it's about showing off more a more multifaceted level or version of yourself and having it always be led by individual choice. I love that. When, what is it, what is it when, or how, how, how do we deal with it or point a finger out, put a finger on it when it's, it is still misogyny war when women are the actors in it, right? When we're looking, when we're talking about, that's why I, I asked if both of your friends were both women, mm -hmm. because there's the women that are like, yes, empowerment. But then there was women that were kind of siding with the group of men that were like, put your pussy away. Mm -hmm. Stop talking about this. What are, you mean free kind of stepped in it, right? Yeah, Jermaine, even yeah, Jermaine Dupree, when he, you know, he's like, he said it's strippers raps, but which is fine with me. They can rap. But we've always had stripper rap. <laughs> I know. That, I don't get they it. He like was a stripper. They act like strip, <laughs> yeah, strippers do not like, are not culture creators. Like the strip club. The A&Rs exactly, are the strippers. Exactly. We've been saying this for years. Yeah. Oh, I got to go play this in a strip club. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how you know if you really got something, if yeah. it really goes up in the strip so, club. So God forbid they say, you know what? I want to take a stab at rapping. Yeah. I'm tired of sweaty ones. If you are tired of sweaty ones, you might not be tired of sweaty yeah. ones. Just saying. Yeah. But but what happens when it's the women that are the ones saying saying these things? Is that is that something that happens in a vacuum? Is that so, or or is that something that can lend to misogyny wars staying in place? It definitely. Um Women can be misogynistic. We know that's true. Misogynoir can come for anybody because we live in a 
patriarchal, misogynistic society overall. So, yeah, you can have it be internalized, internalized. in ways you don't even know. Yep. Um, but I think it's really more about opening up the conversation and just changing the mindset, changing in some ways like the the brain chemistry of how you're thinking about it. And like, what's the what's the main what's the main issue or what is your what is your what is the basis of your issue with it because if cardi b and megan stallion want to rap about pussy what does that have to what does that have to do with me wanting to or not wanting to sing along with rapping about pussy you know what i mean it's entertainment you can opt in and opt out and it's based on again like individual choice but i think going back to my two friends and i'm not i i think uh I have a I have a really great diverse fan group that has real conversations and real healthy debates um and leads with empathy in all of those debates. It's about having a real conversation and and space for moments of enlightenment of like wait actually it's a it's about something on a personal level. Like what do you at the either way you either way you cut it, it's about agency, right? Yeah. And what is your what is your instinct to want to police someone's body? What does that actually say about like what your what your basis and the thought process is? That makes sense. And I, I will like, say, my other friend who was like, the whole song is about pussy. She loved that song. Oh. She loves it. I was gonna say I didn't even <laughs> see anything wrong with like the video or anything. like my first reaction was like, damn, nah, Megan snapped. Mm-hmm. That second verse it was like, let me try. To figure you said Megan snapped. Yeah. Yes. I mean. Your honor, I'm a freak bitch, head cuff leash, and that gets something to believe in. The fact that she says your honor, like, like she's cheating. testifying that, yo, oh my gosh, wait, I'm sorry. One. What are you doing? What are you doing? You what don't are you know. Doing? You don't know. Are we doing Megan slander over there? Uh oh. Okay, as journalists. Yeah, okay. throw, throw this to me. <laughs> as journalists. No Megan slander on as this journalists, show. Is there not a difference between. An objective opinion and slander. <laughs> oh my gosh. I asked a simple question. Look at the gaslight. Did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all the words are being used oh, today. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I knew we should have stopped that massage noir shit at the start of this podcast. <laughs> no, I, I just don't think that Megan be snapping, but that's on me. I, I, don't think she at least on what? No, 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 that's oh. not what I said. I think Megan has the ability to rap very well. Mm-hmm. Now, does, does that, is, is her music that she releases? Indicative of that skill? No, I think the music. Ever? She, is it because Ever? you don't or like what she's rapping? No, I don't, like a no, I like what she. She can. Kim huh. rapped about that same shit. Kim was nice when she was nice, and then there was records, you know, and in the, in the, in the yeah. later year that was. Like, mm-hmm. Mouse just. Right. I think. So you like it's gotten, on, it's gotten stale, or it's, it's gotten, it's gotten very stale. Or? It's gotten very okay. stale, and I think. Well, WAP was not part of that. WAP, you gotta say. I like this. I like the song WAP. WAP. I like WAP. I let's. I like the song. I like the institution. I like the song. I like. <laughs> you want to say? I like the WAP. I like. I like WAP. But I think. All right, that's fine. Because I don't want. I want you. I already got. I already got two tomatoes thrown. I had one a really life. good thing, but it's really good. It sent you over the edge. I'm like, I'll. I'll save it for after. You might as well say I'm it now. Saying, you gotta say it now. It's okay. The guests are asking you to say it. Oh. I'll tell them after. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, the the thing I did want to to make mention of there was a part in the uh, in episode three, I think you're speaking to Dream Doll, 
And I think something was said to the aesthetic of, you know, things should be about talent and not the way someone looks. Yeah, that's what she, you remember that. Yeah, she's like, it should be about my talent first, but in the in this industry, it's never about that. And the, the only world, pushback though. I had on that was what if Gravity. not for her I looks. Don't know. Uh, oh, if don't, not for her looks, we would never. She's not. Be she's not for her talent because she's not. She when she started, she wasn't good. She's gotten extremely better from the time she started to now. I'm not gonna lie, I like the early Dream Doll. The, All right, the bro. First I'm on the block full up. Skirt, yeah. skirt. Where you at? That I mean, I the eat, hardcore eat new dream. <laughs> the eat hardcore new dream is cool, but the other stuff wasn't bad. It was vibey. And then you know how it was vibey. You, you know, hear the words we use? You now? notice how many people I mean, like that's, that's the word. Ah, ah, ah. Remember like, saying stuff was good? She had ah ah ah. And then it showed up in a Cardi record. It showed up in a Uzi record. It showed up in a juice. And this is before the rebrand where she became yes. all gangster and shit. Mm. Mm. She was she had something. She was just growing. I don't think she needed to switch up though. Mm. But I, I just think that statement alone was just I was like, hmm. It was weird because I'm like, well, there's certain artists who definitely would not be here if not for their look. Some of your and favorites said, that you claim that. are talented, mm. by the way. Oh, like her. But that ain't here. I said some of your favorites that you claim are talented, by the way. Oh, like who? <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about, but here goes the thing. Great players don't always make great coaches. So, yes, yeah, some some of the people that I think are really good rappers, they might say she's talented. I don't trust their eye on talent. I just trust them to make music. Um, Don't put nothing else <laughs> on me now. Leave me alone. Okay. Oh, Fine. my goodness. But looks, looks aren't important across the board just in the world. Presentation. Like, your appearance says everything about you before... You, you get to open your mouth. mouth. So mm-hmm. I feel her on that. It should just be about the talent, but it's just. I disagree. It should never just be about the talent. It's a total package deal with the, we're talking about here. You got to be able, you have to I be. I mean, yeah, that's what it is, but I do feel like it should be about the talent. There's not great records, artists that go lead. under talent should lead, but now talent is like an accessory. It's like What's talent the- is, has gone so low on the list of essentials. It's, so it's like, oh, she cute. She got a blue check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This well, they all got her? a blue check now, brother. Fourteen ninety nine a month. Check, right? Everybody got a blue check. Right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> everybody, everybody got a blue check now. Fourteen ninety nine. So that's embarrassing. Yeah. I just think, I think my thing with it, obviously, y'all, y'all can put your input. I, my thing with it is, I think we get so stushy when it comes to talent, right? Like when Cardi started rapping and putting out music, was she the most talented rapper? At skill wise, no, but she was talented at yeah. selling shit. She was entertaining. She was talented at selling herself to people and showing people, hey, you should give a fuck about this going on. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the girls are, and I think the women should have the opportunity to figure out the talent of rapping, just like the way the guys do. No, but the bar is never that. It's never. Yeah, the that's same. what I was gonna say. It's never the same though. Like. That's what we're. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. It's never a level playing field. There's. I agree. I'm saying it should be. I agree that it's not, but it should be. That's why it's 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 important that when it's important that men say when when you see other men like oh there's pussy here go pussy rap again let's ostracize them let's make some let's make fun of them like I I have so much fun doing it on Twitter when I see guys be like oh here go pussy rap I'm like oh you don't like pussy now. 
<laughs> Are we gonna start calling it like fucking penis rap when these like like what That's the right. fuck dick Wait rap? Right. Like I mean, Spotify's not picking that playlist up. Yeah, I mean the thing is like like you saying though, the scrutiny only goes one way. Mm -hmm. like, exactly. We don't scrutinize That's the, the look for dudes, right? And this, you know, you're talking about that 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 episode you with um, with Dream Doll, yeah. And later in the episode, in the Tate. baby taste yeah. and they talk yeah. about. You know, it's it's a lot of dusty Negroes. Yeah. And in rap, the dusty Negro aesthetic is like a real Who's successful... a dusty Negro rapper? I mean, oh, don't make don't put it on me. Elbows, wife beater on stage. I'm just asking yeah, what I you mean, talk about. Ooh, give me a rapper. Somebody that's been an aesthetic put... in hip hop for a long time. That's the keep it real aesthetic. Keep it mm. real dusty. So nobody, so nobody wants real to put it on. Nobody wants to put a name. I mean, we've been putting a name on everything today, but now we don't want to put a name I mean, on a dusty you, Negro you rapper. Tell on, it's, it's, it's so many. Like, <laughs> give me a DNR. He said there's so many. Just give you a what? Give me a DNR. A DNR. A dusty, <laughs> a dusty Negro rapper? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> don't feel pressured. Oh, man. Uh, Nyla, who do you think would, uh, yeah, yeah, get eyes big now. Yeah, DJ Nyla Simone. Who is somebody you would identify as a dusty Negro yeah, rapper? Yeah. I never even heard of this term. I don't know. <laughs> but now we just told about. you. We coining it right now, break, I guess. Uh, break it down again, uh, Sydney. You said white ashy beater. elbows. Ashy elbows. Wife, wife beat on stage. on stage. Real little jeans. I'm thinking of legends. That's like, that, that's, oh. that describes legends right there. <laughs> oh, what? I mean, I'm. Oh, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not. Oh, yeah. He get around real niggas and act like a real nigga. Yeah, Rodney. Yeah. What's going on? No, 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 no. I'm just, hey, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> Damn it. Well, we made it too hot. He was, about to, he was about to give away his position. We we love listening to you guys and all that you're doing. What is next for Louder Than a Riot once the season wraps? Oh, wow. That is a very good question. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I don't know how how much we want to speak on that, Sid, if you want to. Yeah, wanna I mean. Talk about, you know. Well, the reality of the situation, which we were talking about a little bit before the mics came on. Media is crumbling, y'all. Mm -hmm. Like, these layoffs are, <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot of tumbleweeds rolling through. Like, it's scary hours. Mm -hmm. Whether, it, you know, whether it be a print and digital space or an audio space or a video space. Like, there's been layoffs at ESPN, Washington Post, Paper Magazine. Yep. Um, and that doesn't even, that doesn't even factor in hip-hop media spaces. Hip-hop mm -hmm. media is also a very weird limbo right yes. now and um louder than a riot was one of four narrative long-form podcasts that were what's the word they don't want to say that were uh discontinued um and so this is going to be the table. last table table what table <laughs> I don't know. We got to find that table. <laughs> well, NPR discontinued the podcast version of our show, so there's not going to be a season three. Um, there's nothing concrete for season three right now because the reality is it does take a lot of money to create shows like this. We don't want we we don't be cutting corners. We really dig in and we we go for long haul type of interviews, type of chases, type of stories that we tell. Yeah, it's yeah. long form and we have we want to we want to stay the, at that caliber. And that just, you know, it takes a lot of time and a lot of money. Um in addition to the financial situation, there in my opinion, there seems to be a real recoil now in the media space in a lot of different industries about black things 
you know, mm. in 2020, everybody was really rushing yeah. to, mm-hmm. to start to cover mm-hmm. stories. Yep. Now, you know, when budgets are getting tight, those are a lot of those black stories are the first things to go. And I do see in a lot of different spaces, there is a disconnect between what companies will say that they want for an audience and what they're willing to put money into and what they're willing to invest in in an intrinsic way right get that audience that they trying to get that they say they they scared why are they scared power i don't know because hip-hop the the best-selling genre and has been for so long i same thing with media They, they just believe that white people care white and black people care more about white things than the return that's going to show for a black thing. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know how to change that. I don't know how many times they have to look on YouTube and see all these journalists and uh, see all the money they're bringing in and all the views they're bringing in. Or right. you got to listen to a podcast and see all that. I, I don't know. I I, I give. I, what I do, when, when we do this shit, I don't give a fuck about white gays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, exactly. listen, if you care about hip hop, if you care about this very black thing exactly. that start out this very black way, right. then this is for you. Yeah. And I think if we just focus on that, I'm, and obviously that's the like utopian outlook to have, but. I mean, but yeah, that's like, that's, that's how we enjoy it. You know, that's how we, that's, that's hip hop for yeah. us and to us and by us. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So why, why cater to, to anybody else? I mean, they don't. They don't need to be catered to in order to to love hip hop. So, At all. Like, we don't be talking about y'all. Exactly. Y'all be yeah. here. <laughs> so yeah. we don't be it's talking to y'all niggas. Yeah. We talking about y'all. We talk about y'all and, and y'all, y'all still show up. up. Yeah. You ever have an aunt? You be like, no, we were just talking about you. Don't join in the laugh. <laughs> yeah. You take we were, the sting out of it. You make fun of right. somebody and they laughing with you. No, right, right, right. we're laughing at you. And we were, I yeah. mean, super committed to never being like that from the beginning exactly. like that was one of the um yeah the white gay one of the temples like we are not translating what none of this means because traditionally the long form podcast space is also another it was meant to be like a um disruptive space for ro- mm-hmm. radio mm-hmm. but it ended up just being another white dominated space mm-hmm. and so for us when we were making you know, our pitch to the first season, we were like, we are not doing no, there's this thing at NPR called the explanatory comma. So, and we're like, we're not doing no explanatory commas. We're not translating. We're talking to hip hop, hip hop audience members first. We're talking to black people who love hip hop first and everybody else can catch up. Everybody else can like come along for the ride, but like knowing that they are, you know, the second, not the second tier, but like an, addi- an additional mm. kind of like tangential you, yeah, audience. Yeah. There's a great mm-hmm. example you you gave about listening to some show and then you got to pause the show and open up another tab if they say something you don't know oh, what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. It's we do like, that all okay, the time. They can, with, with yeah, this, we do yeah. that if we listen into something. Exactly. Like, all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of examples of that. In the first season, there was a scene about the... Um, I think I might have said this already, but the Bobby Schmurda trilogy and Sean Money was talking about an MCM bag. And there was, remember, there was a discussion about like, should we just say a bag or <laughs> should we say what an MCM bag is? It's just like, no. Yeah. We say an MCM bag. Right. Because if you fucking, if, if you, you know, know you know, you know what an MCM bag is. You know um, just how much of a headlock MCM bags <laughs> had over us in four, 2014. No we was hemmed up by the MCM bag Jeez. in the belts, mm-hmm. in the book bags. Oh my God, Neon free us. Green ones. I'm just, I'm glad we're free. 
<laughs> some people ain't. I mean, you go to some parts of Brooklyn, they not. <laughs> I will say, just to end on the thought of the future of Louder Than a Riot, like, we're still going to tell these stories. Hip-hop is an oral tradition. What we do is mm-hmm. an extension of that oral tradition, and it will live on somewhere. We will still work somewhere. Like, there's nothing wrong with the formula. It's At really all. just seeing where it fits and where it can be bankrolled to be honest with you like right now it's 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 floating and it's in the air and it's nebulous but it's gonna land as we discussed earlier we're not even more so paying attention to publications we're just tapping in with the people who are part of our tribe Mm -hmm. so you guys are definitely a part of our tribe and we're very thankful don't worry about that we'll be following you guys regardless (laughs) wherever you go just tell Rodney to be like say something and then we'll follow the voice (laughs) follow the voice follow the voice follow the voice hey we appreciate y'all man thanks for appreciate y'all man Uh, tell the people where they can uh, find Louder Than a Riot where they can find you guys and you know continue to follow you guys in this as this media landscape gets shaken up I mean, I'm 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 pretty much just you know old head on Twitter. I, uh, <laughs> I do a little lurking on Instagram, but you know, a little. I, I don't know. I, messages get lost. I don't don't even hit me on Instagram. <laughs> you know, I I still don't know how to do all that. But what's the Twitter name? Oh yeah, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know he ain't lying. I, I thought no, you really he really on Twitter. Hey, find, like, find me on Twitter. Wait. Where? <laughs> And it's not even your name, too, so it's not even like they can look at I am at Rodneyology, just Rodney with ology on the end, O-L-O-G-Y. I like that. Mm, Dissertations for days. (laughs) 40 characters or less. Mm, Yeah. Um, (laughs) And you can catch me always clowning on Rodney um, on Twitter and (laughs) elsewhere. Everywhere, um, it's at Sid underscore Madden. And you can hear everything about Louder on NPR or wherever you get your podcast. So Spotify, Amazon, Apple, all that. And you can follow at Louder Than Riot on Twitter. Yep. Love that. Until next time, guys. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, follow. I'm sorry, I forgot to hit that. But like, share, subscribe, follow. We'll be back again next Monday. Peace. Don't miss an episode of The What? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists. Listen and subscribe on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The What? Hip-hop questions, legends, and lists podcast is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network, and our executive producer is Darren Byrne and produced by A-King. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.